0: You are listening to the Flourish to 7 Figures podcast with Monica Louie, episode number 44. Welcome to the Flourish to 7 Figures podcast, where we help online entrepreneurs grow their influence, amplify their impact, and scale their businesses all the way to seven figures. And now, here's your host, Monica Louie. Hey, hey, thank you so much for joining me for the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast. I'm Monica Louie and I am bringing you another insightful interview. Today's guest has built a multiple six figure online business in a surprising niche. And she's got a lot of cool things going on. She's got a popular Facebook group, she's killing it on YouTube, selling several different low priced products, and she's crushing it with affiliate marketing. And today, she's sharing with us how she does it all in less than 25 hours per week. But first, if you're new to the podcast and don't know me yet, then welcome. I'm Monica Louie, and I'm a Facebook and Instagram ad strategist. I run a successful ads agency where my team and I manage ads for six- and seven-figure online businesses. I am also the creator of Flourish with Facebook ads which is my online training program that teaches my step-by-step system for creating campaigns that convert. My team and I have managed $2 million in ad spend and served more than 700 students and clients. So we are in the trenches every single day, keeping a pulse on what's working now in the world of Facebook and Instagram ads. And while I teach a lot about Facebook and Instagram ads, the goal of this podcast is to discuss what it really takes to build a seven-figure online business. And that's why I'd love to bring you interviews with experts and successful business owners like my guest today. I am so excited to share with you my interview with my good friend, Cassidy Tuttle from succulentsandsunshine.com. Cassidy is a professional photographer turned succulent addict and blogger. She's been writing about succulents on her blog since 2012. In 2016, it became her family's full-time income, and she loves figuring out how to make the business run more efficiently. And as you'll hear in this interview, Cassidy thrives on trying new things and coming up with new ideas. This is a jam-packed episode, so let's get right into it. But before we dive in, I want to make sure you know that you can find all the links and resources that are mentioned in today's episode at monicalouie.com slash 44. That's dot com slash the number 44. All right. Here's the interview with Cassidy Tuttle from succulentsandsunshine.com. Hey, Cassidy. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. So share with everybody what you do, how you make money online. What is your brand about?
1: So I run the website succulentsandsunshine.com and we teach people how to grow succulents wherever they live in the world. So succulents really tend to grow best on their own in like Southern California, nice temperate climate, but I'm convinced that anyone can grow them anywhere. And so we just teach people what succulents need in order to grow and thrive and survive and how to adapt it for where they live. So when I started growing succulents, I was living in Utah and most sub- succulents won't grow in like a four season climate. So I was really just trying to figure out how do I get these to survive inside? Everything I was reading talked about how to grow them outside again in like southern california and so i just started researching and experimenting and that's really where the blog was born it was just documenting that and then realizing that you could make money online and like oh cool well i kind of have this niche maybe i should you know keep going with this and so that was in 2013 is when we bought the domain name i'd been blogging about it a little bit before then and from there we just started trying to monetize different ways. So we started out with Google ads and now we've progressed to where we're using an ad network called Ad Thrive. And so that makes up about 30% of our income. And then we're also an affiliate for different companies that sell succulents or soil or pottery along with like the traditional ones like Amazon or Etsy is another one. And that also makes up about 30% of our income. And then we have a number of ebooks that we sell and also two courses on succulents. And the sales of our own products make up about 40% of our income.
0: Very cool. Okay. So, and you've done quite well. I know just because you and I are friends, we were in Peflin's SPI accelerator program the first year together. And so I know that you are like rocking it, but I feel like other people who are like new to your brand, they like. Really? So that's like a very specific niche. You're not just talking about gardening or plants in general. I mean, did you ever think as you were starting this that maybe you were too narrow of a niche? There
1: were a couple times in the very, very beginning, but from day one when I was researching things, everyone was talking about how you want to get all these, you know, the long tail keywords and different things along that line and that you wanted to be super niche. So in my head, I've always been like, yeah, I'm spot on. I'm right where I want to be. And after about two years, I ended up writing a book. And after that, I kind of swore off succulents. I'm like, I'm never going to talk about succulents again. I kind of got burned out. But I was back at it a month after I submitted the book. And it was at that point that I realized I could do so much with succulents. And I had just a huge Google Doc full of ideas. Like, hundreds of ideas that I could do just with succulents. And interestingly, now I wish I would have started even more niched. I love our audience. I love what we teach. But there were so many different directions that we could have gone that actually would be a little bit simpler and easier to start with. Like if I had focused only on cold hardy succulents. And I know that seems super crazy to most people because they think succulents is so small and so niche. And compared to something like gardening, absolutely it is. But succulents has really grown a lot over the last few years. And so it is pretty generic because there are people growing in like a hot, humid climate, which is different than a hot, dry climate. So there are some challenges with that where I still feel like we're a little bit general. But I'm super glad that we've stayed focused only on succulents, not going into like you know, other types of plants or gardening. And even within succulents, I started out having different like projects and tutorials on like how to make arrangements. And I have found that my audience resonates most with just how to care for succulents. So we've even kind of stayed a little bit niche in that way where I'm not doing this tutorial on like how to plant succulents in wood or different things. Although we do have like a handful of those. So definitely happy that we are niche. And at this point, I do not feel like cornered in at all. In fact, I'm like, okay, how can we like
0: focus in more? That's so fascinating. And well, I appreciate you sharing that. So the website for everybody, I feel like you need to check out this beautiful website. So succulentsandsunshine.com. But what I love about your website is it's so well organized. And also when you go to succulent types, which To be honest, I don't think I knew what a succulent was before I met you. (laughs) But I didn't realize there were so many different succulent types. And so you've got this landing page where you can go right down to the succulent type that you have or that you're interested in and learn more about it. But I just feel like your website is super well organized. Thank you. Okay. So you started off and you were basically looking for a resource yourself. You were interested in improving caring for your own succulents and you didn't really find a resource out there so then you decided to take your research and create one is that accurate yes definitely okay so then when you got into you started off with blogging but i know like now your business has expanded i mean you've done very well on youtube pinterest you mentioned you know long tail keywords so where is your traffic coming from can you break down the split of that
1: Yeah. So from day one, my focus has always been organic search. Like I remember downloading this ebook. It was how to make $5,000 online. And the whole thing was about search traffic. And so that's been my focus. And that still shows in our current traffic. So right now, depending on the season, about 65 to 70% of our traffic is organic search. And then we'll probably get about... 10% or so from Pinterest. And then the rest just kind of trickles down from there. Nothing beyond that is like really standout or significant other than in terms of sales, most of our sales comes from our email list. And then the other chunk comes from Google, just because that is such a huge source of traffic for us.
0: Awesome. Okay. So as you began the blog, so you mentioned back in 2013, you bought the domain and then it grew from there and you built ebooks, can you kind of share the journey of the evolution of your business? Because I know that you're always testing new things coming up with so many creative ideas that I'd love to get into today. But can you start like just kind of share the evolution of where you are today?
1: Yeah. So that first year, I ended up creating our first ebook and it is still available for sale. And it's only been like mildly up there, you know, just updated a tiny bit since then but it's almost identical to what it was when we first published it, which is cool that it's so evergreen and it stayed current and stayed helpful. So that ebook is The Secrets to Propagating Succulents. So that came out in 2013. And then um, just progressively from there, not intentionally, but it kind of worked out that about once a year, I came out with a new ebook or a new product. Most of them have been ebooks. And then I believe it was in... 2016 that we recorded and launched our first course, which is Successfully Growing Succulents. And that's really been our main focus, the main product we've been promoting ever since then. Um, The ebooks are still great, they're still selling well, and we do promote those to people. But our focus in terms of like having an email funnel and you know really tracking what's working and what's not in terms of sales is really focused around the course. And it was about, let's see, I want to say it was in 2018 is when the types of succulents pages, the ones that you were talking about earlier, that's when those came out and we built some ID cards to go with them. So it's just a printable digital download and they're like four by six cards and it basically summarizes the information that's on those pages, but it's in a really pretty printable format so that people can download them I know some people have like a photo album full of them and they can just flip through and easily reference the care information for those plants. So that's one of the other like products that we've created that's not necessarily an ebook, but still digital. And then in, also I think toward the end of 2018, we created a propagation course. And so that's the other course that we have. And that one, we did a big launch for it last year in 2019 and we're getting ready to do another one right now.
0: So what are the price points for all these products?
1: Yes. So the eBooks are all $9.99. And then the ID cards, the price has gone up as we've added more. So when we started, I think there were about 50 cards in there, 25 to 50. And we were selling that for $10. Now there's almost 150 cards in there and it is priced at $19.99. And then the Main course, Successfully Growing Succulents is 127 and the propagation course this time around will be $45.
0: Very cool. Okay. And so then you mentioned affiliate marketing and you promote other products like succulent products, soil, things like that.
1: Yes. Yeah. So we have a pretty wide variety of products that we promote. Basically any physical product that our readers might be purchasing, but we have not gotten into the physical product world yet. So anything that we know that they might be interested in purchasing, we'll usually find an affiliate for, or hopefully is sold on
0: Amazon or Etsy. Awesome. So you've had a focus on growing your organic traffic from day one. And so I know that you, just in our prior conversations, you've been super strategic in where you focus your time and how you know what's working. So can you share a little bit about your thought process and strategy there?
1: Yeah. So the types of succulents pages are actually a perfect example of this. But just to back up a little bit, actually, so initially when I was just writing about succulents, kind of didn't know what I was doing, but found out you could make money online when we put analytics on the site, I found out that I was already getting search traffic for a blog post I'd written on how to propagate, which means like grow more succulents. And so I was already ranking for this page and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. We're getting search traffic. I didn't even try. I will say back in 2012, 2013, that was much easier. But I've always, since then, looked for opportunities like that where it's a smaller niche, if you will, or just smaller topic. And not a lot of big companies are trying to rank for it or put ads on Google searches for it. So it started out with like, I did all these articles based around propagating succulents and then focused in on, okay, now people want to know how to water succulents and what kind of soil do they want to use. So really listening to my audience once I had an audience, but even before that, it was just like, what kinds of Questions do I have? What things do I want to know? And that's really, I think, the best place to start because whether you're on YouTube or Pinterest or Google or some sort of search platform, people are asking questions or they have a question they're trying to solve. And so all of the articles were really written around a question that I had the answer to. So most of our articles are really how to based and we've been able to rank for associated keywords with that, like how to grow succulents indoors. And then once I felt like we'd kind of maxed out, or at least, you know, we're kind of at that point of diminishing returns where it's like, okay, we can't really write another watering article because we don't want to compete against ourselves for the one we have. I realized, even though I had all these like how to and care articles, people kept asking me, well, how do I care for zebra plant? I'm like, well, you go read the watering article and you go read the soil article and it'll tell you, (laughs) but they wanted it like specific to these individual plants and there are thousands of varieties. And while the general care information about each of those is the same or similar, there are some nuances that like, I'm trying not to like use all these Latin names, but like an echeveria is going to need different care than the zebra plant. And so I started looking into, okay, well, are people searching for these individual plant names? And I found that they were. And some of them were much, much bigger keywords than ones that we were ranking for. And knowing that our website was already very heavily focused on succulents, it would be pretty quick for us to be able to rank for some of these keywords. So zebra plant is a really common one. And we built out this article on how to care for zebra plant. And within a couple of weeks, because we knew the information people wanted to know about zebra plant, we built it into the article. Within a couple of weeks, we started seeing organic traffic for that. And it wasn't mind blowing at the beginning, you know, it slowly built over time. And I haven't checked it in the last few weeks or month or so, but um, we got to where we were ranking pretty high up, if not the first or second spot. And a lot of that was all just. So one, how we were finding the topics, right? We were just listening to our audience, noticing trends and things that they were asking, and then structuring the article in a way that was both helpful to the reader and also satisfied some of the technicalities that search engines like. So for example, having headers that use the keywords and short paragraphs that make it easy for the reader to flow through and scan and see what they want to learn. Having images that are named both before they're uploaded and then including like the alt text and the title once they are online. So just making sure we're checking those boxes. And then to jumpstart the search rankings, we always try and drive traffic to a new blog post. Because yes, if you just put a post out on the internet, eventually it will get crawled. Eventually you could show up in search. But if it starts getting traffic right away, you're much more likely to start getting organic search traffic. So anytime we have a new blog post that comes out, or in this case, article with the types of succulents, we email that out to our list and we'll get a couple thousand views over that first week. And then that helps jumpstart all of the search rankings and all the crawling and
0: that lovely technical stuff. So how much traffic does your website get a month now, roughly? So it
1: ranges quite a bit. May being our peak time of year and then December being the lowest. So it generally goes anywhere from about 350,000 visitors to I think last year we hit just over 700,000 in May for the month.
0: Nice. That's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. All right. So I mean, that kind of traffic and you're obviously being strategic and listening to your audience, like you said, and what kind of content you're putting out. But you're also, I know last year you went really big on YouTube and growing your YouTube channel. So can you speak to like what made you decide to go for it on YouTube and really focus your time there?
1: Yeah. So interestingly, I was really, really nervous to go on YouTube. It just felt like so much work. And everyone's like, you have to be so consistent. And I'm a photographer by profession. And so taking photos is so easy for me but doing video had so many extra steps. So I was really hesitant to do it because I didn't want to like start and then not be able to maintain it. Ironically, I started a podcast as like a transition. So there is a podcast, The Succulent FAQ, 25 episodes if you want to listen. But that transition to doing the audio and having someone else edit helped me realize, okay, this is fine. I can record video and pass it off to someone else. So I think that was my biggest hurdle was like, it's so much work. But thankfully I was at a point where I could hire someone to do all that technical stuff that I didn't want to. But there were two main reasons why I ended up from like a non, just, I was afraid to do it standpoint. One reason was actually from being in the accelerator with you, Pat Flynn had suggested that I start YouTube I casually mentioned it to him. And he said, normally, I wouldn't just tell people to go start a YouTube channel. But since you said you're considering it, I would highly, highly recommend that you start doing that. So he gave me a lot of ideas and tips up front that just made it a lot easier for me to figure out the platform. And then I just went for it. But the other reason that I decided to go for it is because I know that there's a lot of focus right now on video, especially in search. And knowing that we have a lot of search traffic already and that YouTube and Google play together so hand in hand, that having videos in our blog posts would help us rank better in Google search. And the cool thing is, having our YouTube videos on the blog post gives them more traction on YouTube. So now that we have them on the website and on YouTube, it's this really, really nice relationship where we're getting a lot of views because people are viewing the blog post and a lot of them will watch the video. So then YouTube says, oh, hey, there's a bunch of people watching this video, not on YouTube. Maybe we should show it to more people on YouTube because it seems to be interesting. And so then we'll start getting more just natural and organic engagement through YouTube. But again, we were really intentional about what videos we started with. I knew I didn't want to start with like the most main important topic, which for us is watering. I knew I didn't want that to be my first video because the first few are not great. And watching our water- our watering one right now actually kind of makes me cringe a little. But I started out with some that are core topics but maybe not the absolute most important. And so we started putting out just one video a week. And the main thing that would differentiate us from other videos on YouTube is that I was recording in a studio. Everything was not scripted per se, but it wasn't live either. So a lot of the videos on YouTube either seem like they're live or they were live. And so it's just people talking kind of constantly on end which is not problematic, but it made our stand out because it just looked and sounded so different. And we had professional audio equipment and really nice filming setup. So we were standing out that way. And then we've just kept maintaining that and really listened to what people are asking for. And some of the things that people have asked for, we've actually ended up putting into our course. So it's not live on YouTube, but we can if people respond and say, hey, do you have a video about this? We can easily say, "Um, we don't have one on YouTube, but we do have one in our course. You can check it out here. So we built out the videos. We have about 15 core blog posts and we built out a video for almost all of those. And we published on YouTube. And then we would also, again, email it to our list the day it goes out so we can get some really good traction in the beginning. And then embedding it in the blog posts so that it's just continuously getting traffic and helping also boost the YouTube traffic.
0: Awesome. And now, I mean, so you said roughly a year ago, you decided to go all in with YouTube. Is that the proper timeline? Let's see. So it would have been, I think it was
1: 2018 was when we first started with it. It would have been like April or May of 2018. And we were we were pretty consistent at that point doing about one video a week through the end of 2018. And then for a variety of reasons, I stopped making videos at the beginning of 2019.
0: And now we're kind of back at it. Awesome. And you have, I'm looking at your YouTube channel right now, you have nearly 50,000 YouTube yes. subscribers. So cool. That's awesome. Very cool. Congratulations. Thank you. And so I like how you shared, you know, they go hand in hand. And so this is something that I'm seeing too with a lot of my clients where, you know, a lot of them have, you know, we run paid ads for our clients, but a lot of them, I mean, they have success where they're at the point where they can run paid ads because they have grown their audience via organic strategies. So they are really on their game on SEO. And for those who, do not have a YouTube channel or not doing video yet, they're making that leap because they know how important it is and how much Google and search likes to have that video option to present.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I feel like while maybe adding the videos didn't necessarily boost all of our rankings, because for a lot of the keywords, we're already up in the first five, I feel like it has helped just solidify it where we're not seeing rankings fluctuate quite as much in Google search. And so that's been nice too is like, okay, we're following what Google wants, but we're also following what people want because a lot of people want to watch videos and with content that's very visual, video is a really great option. I mean, like I said, I'm a photographer, but I also know there are some things that are so much easier to show in a video than with just text and images. But it's nice to have text and images for people who'd prefer to read or
0: skim to find the information they're looking for. And that's a good point because people like to digest content in different ways. And I'm sure that having the video there also helps with time on page, which is going Mm -hmm. to just reinforce to Google that, you know, this is a valid resource that people are not like hopping on and then hopping away from.
1: Yeah, definitely. And it's so cool to me to kind of see how everything plays together and how at the end of the day, it's really serving people better and I think that's one thing that people sometimes forget when it comes to search engine optimization is, yes, there's absolutely like a technical checklist of things that are best practice that you should do. But if your ultimate goal is to serve the person who is coming to your website to really answer their question and help them, you'll be doing things that make the the algorithms and you know organic search platforms happy too. Because their people are getting the answers that they want. And so we've never had an issue with like an algorithm change dramatically affecting our traffic for the worse because we're always doing things that are making our website more user-friendly
0: and helping people find answers. I love that. And you mentioned that, you know, something that kind of made you nervous about starting your YouTube channel and was being consistent with it, but then also feeling like it was going to be a ton of work. And you mentioned with the podcast, that was kind of a stepping stone. You hired a podcast editor. So what is your process look like for creating your videos today?
1: I'm really glad you asked that because it's changed actually a lot. So we do still have a video editor that we work with. And those initial videos that we put out were very high production value. The content was also good, but the production value was really high. Like I said like we're recording it in the studio, there was a lot of editing happening with it, really good sound quality. And I got to a point where it's like okay, I can't do another video this week or you know I got behind on recording. And that's why we stopped for a little bit. But something that we've been trying this year, so at the beginning of 2020, I realized since I hadn't produced a lot of videos, I wasn't getting a lot of getting as much connection with my audience. They weren't seeing my face every week in a new video. So I decided to try something a little bit different. And what we're doing now is I'm actually recording a video on my phone and they're generally like 3 to 5 minutes and I'm just sharing one quick tip about how to care for succulents. And So it's very raw. So the production value is low. The great content is still really valuable, but they don't look as polished as our studio recorded videos from 2018. And the interesting thing is we've seen just as much engagement with those videos as we have with the ones previously. Now, I do feel like because we have the high production value ones that are like kind of the core and you know, just those, that standard on the channel that having these more casual conversational videos can still do well because people can still see, oh, and she also has these that are like really structured and have a lot of really great information too instead of this one that's really good information, but also very specific. And something else that we've just been testing and I've never heard of anyone doing this, but I also maybe just haven't paid attention. But these videos that we're putting out we're actually taking them down from the public after a week. So we launch them on a Saturday and then Friday at noon, the video gets taken down. We just switch it to private on our channel. And then that video goes inside our membership site, the Succulent Lovers Club. So we're creating this sense of urgency for people to come and watch on the channel every Saturday because if they don't watch it in that first week, the only other way that they can watch it is by going and joining our succulent lovers club which also has a lot of great information and value for them there but it's been kind of interesting just to see how people have reacted like no one's complained about it no one said anything but we're also getting a lot of really good engagement on our channel with those new videos a lot of new subscribers and people are really excited to be seeing a new video every week and our succulent lovers club members love it because they get access, you know, to all of these videos. And so
0: they don't have quite that sense of urgency to watch it every Saturday. They can watch it more at their leisure. Wow. Okay. So talk about the Succulent Lovers Club. I know this is a fairly recent addition to the lineup of offerings that you have, but can you share about that? And I haven't heard of anybody doing that strategy and I love hearing about it, but then also hearing that it's working and you're not getting any like kind of backlash of like, where was that video? I was going to watch it or anything like that.
1: Yeah. So it's been cool to see that too, because part of me thought, well, is is YouTube going to stop showing our videos to people because we're taking them down? But since we have a new one every week, still, and people are engaging with it every week, we're still getting, you know, the same amount of traffic and more so because we're still producing new content. So the Succulent Lovers Club is our monthly membership. We started it in September. You and I were together when the the idea was born, and it has evolved so much since then. So I started in September, and it's now. February when we're recording this. So it's been almost, well, yeah, it's been six months and it's been a really good learning experience and it's been really fun. But the one thing that I wish I did was actually have some content planned out and prepared ahead of time so that I didn't feel like I was just doing everything last minute. But the thing that I love, love, love is our audience has, the people who've signed up and are in it, they have been so great and have received it really well. So we started out with kind of one idea of what the club content would look like. And I realized after that first month, it was not going to work out the way I thought it was. And I missed a few deadlines and I was so terrified. I'm like, oh my gosh, people are going to hate me. They're all going to you know, cancel. But everyone was just excited and waiting for whatever came out. And thankfully, we're okay with the missed deadlines. Not something I'd recommend, but thankfully they're okay with it. And we've just kind of shifted what the club looks like over the last few months and really adapting it to what people are asking for. And again, just like just listening to our audience. So what we started with was we were going to do a live class and demonstration and it would kind of be a Q&A as well. And then so we do one of those every month and then we were going to do a garden tour and go behind the scenes with someone in the club and look at their garden, give them a chance to ask questions and show what they're doing. And that was the part that didn't work out. Part of it was maybe we didn't have enough people that were interested and willing right at the beginning. But it also ended up just being a little bit complicated to do it live. And same with the class. Doing the live demonstration was a cool idea, but it didn't really work because when you're doing something live, you can't switch camera angles or, you know, change your view and that type of thing. So after that first month or two, we got feedback. Mostly, I asked. We didn't really just get feedback flat out, but I I asked people. I said, okay, so I, we tried this live workshop type idea it went okay, but it wasn't amazing. Would you prefer that the classes are recorded ahead of time and then we'll just release them on a certain date each month? And overwhelmingly the answer was yes. So that was nice because then I could take my time, I could record it when I needed to and kind of going back to that concept from YouTube, now we have much higher production value video or class in the membership. And then instead of doing the member tour, we ended up switching that to do just a live Q&A. So we do still have that live aspect where they get to interact with me, but then they have the pre-recorded course or class on a specific topic that they're getting each month. So those are the two main things that we offer now is the class and then the Q&A. And we have some other things that we're kind of testing out and, and trying But at the moment, that's like the core of the membership. And it's done really well. When we first launched it, it was a very, very, very soft launch. Like I think I sent out two emails about it. And we ended up getting 30 people in at our like intro pricing. And then we did a bigger push for it in, I want to say November, either October or November. And with the idea that the price was going to go up. So we increased the price from like the very first beta users. But then we said, Hey, we're going to be raising the price next month. So make sure you join now. And we ended up getting about 75 people in when we did that. So right now we're sitting at about a hundred members and we've not done a ton of promotion for it to keep growing it because we've, It was a little bit of a last minute project. So we have other things that we're still working out, but it's been so great to just have that recurring income and to be building out this library of really great content for people who come into the club down the road. They'll have a bunch of classes already recorded and ready to go. And we also have a Facebook group associated with the membership. That's kind of a big part of it. <laughs> so I'm in there answering questions like anyone who posts in there, I will respond to their post and make sure that they're getting their question answered. So it's kind of like an organized way for me to give feedback either in the live Q&A session or in the Facebook group. And we've already had people like meeting up or you know, kind of finding a buddy in the club, in the Facebook group and sharing stories and saying, oh, well, I live in an area with the same climate. What do you do for this? And it's been cool to see the interaction. And so many people have just said how much they love like being in this group where they can connect with other people and learn more about succulents and feel like they're going to get the help
0: and advice that they need. That's awesome. Well, that's very cool. That's quite the iteration because I remember we were at FlynnCon last year when this idea and I was like, oh, I was so excited about this idea. And yeah, so it's evolved already. but already doing well. And I love that you keep going back to listening to you know your audience, to your readers, to your members. What do they actually want? What do they like? And evolving from there. And so what is the price point for the Succulent Lovers Club? Currently, it is $25 a month. Awesome. And that's recurring revenue. So as this grows then that recurring revenue is going to be growing. And it sounds like, I mean, since you launched this, that's the kind of the thing with membership programs is that there's always kind of like a drop-off of where you know people will join for a few months and then they will kind of lose interest, but it doesn't sound like that's happened.
1: Yeah, so we're kind of maintaining at about 100 people. I think total, we've probably had, I want to say about 150 that have purchased at some point. And so we'll have you know people stay in for two or three months and then leave. and then there's other people that are still in there from you know that very first purchase so they've been in six months or so. So we've had some new people added over the last few months, but it has been nice to just kind of see it maintain without a lot of effort on our part to like find new people. So once we're ready to really push it and promote it and get people in, I think that'll be really exciting because we currently have, members who have been in there for so long that's a really good sign for moving forward that we will continue to be able to keep people in for quite a few months
0: awesome okay so you also you mentioned there's a the facebook group in there where you're answering questions but you also have a free facebook group that is quite large 52 almost 53,000 members as of this point in time so can you share I mean, when did the free Facebook group start and how does that feed into everything that you've got going on? I currently love our free Facebook group, but I have not always loved it. It's been a roller coaster. So
1: we started it toward the end of 2017. And the initial reason for starting it was because Facebook pages were supposedly not getting as much traction. And groups were really where it was at. So everyone's like, you have to have a Facebook group. So I'm like, "Eh, okay, I have some people on my team now that can help with it. I won't have to be the one managing it. And so let's give it a try. And my goal was to get traffic from it. But that was not what happened with it. And it was so frustrating to me at the beginning because we weren't getting traffic and we weren't getting sales from this group. And so I was like, why are we putting this effort into this group if we're not making any money from it? But over the last two or two and a half years, we've really changed our perspective. So now I basically see the Facebook group as a way to one, learn what questions are coming up over and over and over and over for people, which for the most part just solidifies that the blog content that we have is what it should be. Like We do have those core questions, but it's also helped me come up with some new video ideas, new blog content and like these weekly videos that we're doing on YouTube, a lot of the ideas for that has come from things I've seen people asking about in the group that relate directly to what I'm doing with my succulents that week. So I'm really watching and listening to the audience in the group. And then the other thing that's been great about it is it's like an instant poll. The thing that people on Facebook like to do most is give their opinion. And once I realized that, that people just want to share what they know instead of listening to what I know, then I just used it as a way to ask people things and find out what they wanted to know. So anytime I do like an open-ended question in the Facebook group, I mean, depending on the question, we can get anywhere from a hundred to a couple hundred comments within a couple days. And that's been really cool to see. Just like, hey, what's your biggest struggle with propagating succulents? And boom, we have 50 people who say, I can't get it to grow past this little baby stage. Like they always seem to die at that point, which is perfect. We can cover that in our propagation course. So now I basically see it as a resource for just learning more and getting instant feedback from our audience about what they need. And then we're getting better at also using it for marketing. And really how I see it right now is not necessarily direct sales, but people who are starting to recognize me, they know my content. And we're getting to that point where people in our group will say, Oh, well, Cassidy has an article on this. You should have read it. It was in the files, you know, and usually they'll do it in a nice way, but just really getting to where there's more brand awareness. And the frustrating thing for me is like, I can't exactly track how much revenue that's bringing in because this person's been in the Facebook group for a few months. They're also on my email list because of something I posted in the Facebook group. Now suddenly they're re- responding to things on my email more and then they decided to purchase the course because the way I see it, I would only see it as a sale from an email, but I don't know the benefit that's coming from the Facebook group. Other than I know it's good to you know have that brand awareness and get myself out there The other thing that we've been doing with it this year, so for all of 2020, each week we are having a photo contest. And again, going back to the idea of people want to share what they know or they want to share about themselves. So each week we have a different theme. And on this particular thread, people can upload a photo. And the person who took the winning photo gets a free month of the Succulent Lovers Club. So it's an awesome way to get people to engage in the group. But I'm also promoting the Succulent Lovers Club. Now, most of the people who've joined the club because of the Facebook group are the winners. But it's cool because we're giving them a free month of the club. They can come in and see what it's like. And if they want to stick around, great. And if not, they just got a lot of good information for free. And they know it's a resource for them later if they do want to come back. So it's been a fun way to kind of test out promoting a product while also doing something fun and exciting and different with our audience in the Facebook group. And I will say, once we started doing those photo contests, the engagement with posts that I'm sharing in the group has gone up dramatically. Because with the photo contest, we're getting like 300 people, 400 people sometimes that are uploading a photo to that thread. And that thread is just continuously updated throughout the whole week that we're running the contest. And then we have a post where we'll take six of those photos that were uploaded, and then we let people vote for which one of those they want to win and then we'll do a post that says, "Hey, help us congratulate this winner and so it's just it's creating like really, really great community where people feel like they're being seen, they feel like they get a share, and then everyone wants to win something like it almost doesn't matter what it is, but they're so excited. To win, I mean, we'll have people upload like 15 or 20 photos sometimes to the contest, which I love because people scroll through and they look at it and they find people who live in their same area and are growing the same plants. And it's just been really cool to see the engagement from that. Things that aren't necessarily tangible in terms of like, oh, because we're doing these photo contests, now we're making, you know, 20% more. But it's just something fun and easy. And I love seeing other people's photos. So, Facebook group is now a much happier place for me now that I've realized what the benefit is of it and that it's not just a place for me to just promote, 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 but it's really a place for people to get help and find community and then a great place for me to just learn more about people who
0: are getting started with succulents. That is awesome. Thank you for sharing that. I really like the different perspective that you had about like, you know, originally you were like, well, what is this going to do for my bottom line? And now like shifting your perspective to like, oh, we're actually learning from our audience here. And over time, you can see that it's helping build that relationship with you and with your brand and with your products. And you can introduce in a fun way your products. And it sounds like it's working amazingly well to get that kind of engagement. So my question to you is, with that many entries, how are you figuring out what should be those top six photos to get people to vote on? I don't want to insult anyone, but
1: it's usually not too hard. We can usually find a few that stand out. I mean, it maybe takes like 10 minutes to scroll through them all. And when we're sharing them for like the voting post, the picture is fairly small. And so if we're just scrolling through the comments and seeing all these pictures, you know, kind of thumbnail size, it's usually pretty easy to see the ones that stand out. It's like, oh, okay, people are going to be able to see how cool this picture is like immediately. And sometimes I'm picking them out. Sometimes my assistant's picking them out. Sometimes it's both of us. Like we have a Slack channel where we'll just post and say, hey, this one's cool. Let's make sure it gets in. Although sometimes we'll have like 10 or 15 of those and we have to whittle it down. So it can be hard, but. I don't know. It's But yeah, it hasn't been too bad though. It's been pretty fun. And then the voting has been pretty simple too, which is so funny. Like this maybe is not a big deal, but what we do with the voting, so we make a collage that has these six images and then we say, you know, which image do you like? And then people just respond in the comments, one, six, four, two. And we've had so many people say, why don't you use the poll function? Like, doesn't that take you so long to add it up? So I love that people are like, looking out for us like hey here's a better way to do this but something that i learned from Dana Mallstaff was that like having people comment instead of doing a poll actually gets more engagement because people commenting on that post keeps bumping it up to the top the other thing i like about it is then it's no one can see who's winning because i think sometimes people just vote for the winning one and so it's cool like no one has any idea what photo is winning unless they scroll through and tally it up themselves. And then for us, it's just like, we just copy and paste out the comments and remove like the date stamps because those have numbers in it. And then it's just a quick search to see which number got the most. But yeah, so it's it's been pretty quick. I would say we probably spend, my assistant probably spends half an hour each week, maybe an hour if something
0: gets really complicated, running the contest, like every aspect of it. I love it. Okay. Well, and just asking the question of, like, you know, how can we make the Facebook group more fun? Is that where this contest idea came from?
1: Yeah. So I've wanted for a long time to do a photo a day post, which we're also doing. But I thought, but it would be cool to have other people sharing their photos. And I know there's some really great photographers in the group. And it was just a way to kind of get my face out there and have people recognize me because that's been one of the complaints. Well, we had like a major drama, major drama um, at the beginning of, I think it was the beginning of 2019 in the Facebook group where I was like ready to shut it down. But people were kind of complaining like, oh, well, if this is Cassie's group, the only thing she's doing in here is promoting and we never see her face or she doesn't respond to stuff, which is not true. We get like an average of 200 posts a day in the group. Like not possible for me to respond to all of them. But the cool thing is with the photo contests, It's just fun for me to see what other people like are doing with their succulents, see what they love. And then still having, you know, my face kind of there saying like, hey, this is my group. Here I am. I'm being here and interacting too. But in a really low-key, easy way for me as well.
0: I think that's super fun. So you mentioned your assistant and you mentioned, you know, podcast editor, video editor. So what does your team look like to help you manage all of this? Because it sounds like, from my perspective, it sounds like a lot. But I know that you've had a focus on kind of focusing your time where it makes the most sense. And also making this a business that works with your life, with your family life and everything else that you've got going on. So can you share a little bit about what that balance looks like for you and your team? So our
1: team at the moment is basically me and then my super assistant, Chantelle. So she works 40 hours a week, um, which is more than I work. And she's really the one that's just like keeping the show going, doing all the day-to-day stuff, like answering emails, responding to things on social media. And also she's one of the biggest, well, she's the reason why the types of succulents pages are getting done. She's the one putting in all the research and getting those put together. So she does most of the day-to-day work. And then I'll be doing, you know, like the photos and recording videos and things like that. And then we do have a video editor that we work with. And if we go back to podcasting, he's also our podcast editor. And then beyond that, I've realized I am not a great people manager. And it's definitely something I could work on and improve on. But Chantel is much better at that than I am. I just don't show up regularly. Like Chantel is working like eight to five every day, you know, or, or pretty close to that. Whereas I'm like, okay, I'm going to work for two hours and then I'm going to go pick up my kids from school and then we're going to go hang out and I might hop on later tonight or I might not come back on until tomorrow. So I'm not the most reliable person on my team. So- We've worked with a number of independent contractors off and on, sometimes people we know, sometimes hiring them from somewhere else. But the thing that I realized is Chantel is good at a lot of things. Like she can figure out almost anything. And so since we kind of have that covered, I've been looking to hire people who do very specific things. So we have the video editor. All he does for us is edit the videos. And he's also a contractor. And then we have a gal right now who is making all of the images that we use for the photo contests. And she's also helping us with some of our PDF designs and just, I guess you could say, graphic design stuff. I still do a lot of that, but some of the things that are more template based and are, you know, just replicating the same thing over and over, she'll handle that. So uh, we hired her through a company called FreeUp, which I would highly, highly recommend if you're looking for really good people to work with. I've loved using FreeUp. So it's kind of like a curated version of Upwork. They pre-vet all of the contractors on there. So we have the gal that's helping us with the images and PDFs. And then we have another gal who is uploading and scheduling all of our Facebook group posts. So like I said, we're doing like a photo a day that go in our Facebook group, Facebook page and on Instagram. So it's the same photo every day but we have different links that we use based on what platform it's going out on so she'll upload the photos make sure the descriptions are correct and get those scheduled and then she's also helping approve people for the Facebook group which is a surprisingly time consuming job and part of the questions for our Facebook group you can opt into our email list and so that's like an extra step of you know copying out their email address So she has been a rock star with getting people added to the Facebook group every day in a really, really timely way. Whereas like for Chantel and I, it was like, okay, I'm going to go approve some people. And then we had people sitting like three or four days and not getting approved. And their friends are messaging us saying, hey, my friend applied to be in the group, but you haven't accepted her yet. What's going on? So, you know, having someone help with the social media in that way. So that gal has been really, really great with a lot of the social media stuff and she also knows how to use WordPress. So we've had her just going through and making some updates and changes to website. She's probably working five to 10 hours a week. And then we have a company that we use to manage our Pinterest. So that one is like totally hands off for me. We have a call once a month and they say, okay, here's what we're doing for your Pinterest account. We need this and this from you. And then I have Chantel give them whatever they need. And then they just go on and do their thing. And I think that's everybody. So Chantel is like the core and then just contractors working on specific things here and there. And that's kind of going to be our approach moving forward is like, we need someone to do this technical thing with our shopping cart. So we're going to hire someone to do that technical thing. And that's worked out really well for me because it feels more like project by project basis. I struggle a little bit with like feeling responsible for people's livelihoods, which is something I just need to get over. But so far, it's worked out really well using contractors in very specific ways. And then it's also really easy for Chantelle to manage them because I can give her an idea of what I want. And she's really good at catching my vision and knowing what I mean, even if I can't put it into words. And then just kind of overseeing that everyone's doing their thing and that it's all coming together at the
0: right time. Very cool. Okay. So, your social media person that was with the Facebook group and WordPress is she also from FreeUp? Yes, she is also. Okay. So, that's a good tip. We're definitely going to link to FreeUp in the show notes. But then also, so that your Pinterest, there's a team that manages your Pinterest. Do you mind giving them a shout out?
1: Yeah. So, it's Erin at Premier Virtual Media. So Aaron's my contact, but Premier Virtual Media is their company. And yeah, they just manage the whole thing. They've been great, really affordable. And it's nice just to not have to worry about it and know that they are really good at Pinterest. That is what they do. And they're going to
0: do the best things for my account. Awesome. Very cool. Okay. So I also want to talk about how you track all of this? Because I know this is something you and I have spoken about, and something that you've shared in the SPI Accelerator group about how you are tracking all of this stuff because you have, you know, you have traffic coming from Google and Pinterest and in your Facebook group and your Facebook page and all these different places. Can you share a little bit about what that looks like?
1: Yes. So this all kind of started when I really wanted to figure out if social media was worth my time or if it was worth hiring someone. And as we kind of touched on a little bit earlier, there are some things about social media that you just can't track. But I can track how many people are visiting my website from Facebook or from Instagram or from Pinterest So the way that we're doing that and the way that we're managing it is by using UTM parameters. And I can send over like some screenshots for your show notes to give people. Because this is something that probably sounds really technical and I guess it is, but once you have it set up, it is so, so simple to use. But basically the idea of the UTM parameter is it's a little bit of a string of text that goes at the end of the URL and it tells Google what the source, the medium, and then the campaign. I think there's a few other ones you can use, but those are the three main ones we use. So what is the source of traffic? What's the medium? And then what campaign specifically? And it was used originally to track Google ads and see if Google ads were working. And I use it and a lot of people now use it for a variety of other things. So in every email that we send out, like our weekly email the medium is going to be email. The source is going to be weekly email. And then the campaign for our weekly emails is the date. That was the easiest thing just to know like, okay, the email that we sent on February 22nd, you know, it made $250. And then we also have those set up for our autoresponders. So our autoresponders, the medium again is email. The source is autoresponder. And the campaign name, we assign. A specific name to each email that we're using. So when I'm running an email funnel to sell my course, I know that the email on day one converts better than the email on day five. But the email on day seven, that very last day email, that's where most of the sales are coming from. So the UTM parameters show up in your Google Analytics, and there's just a report there that you can look at to see um, the acquisition source of any person. And then there's this lovely direct traffic where things don't get tracked, which happens, unfortunately. But we're doing that same thing with Pinterest. And I do it to see if the work that this company I'm hiring to do manage my Pinterest account, I can see how much, you know, initially how much traffic the pins that they are pinning are getting to my site. And I happen to know that I'm getting a lot more traffic from pins that are six years old than pins that are one or two months old. And part of that just has to do with how Pinterest has changed in and of itself. But same thing with Instagram. So earlier I had mentioned we're doing like a new photo every single day in our Facebook group, our Facebook page, and on Instagram. So each of those posts is going to have the same description, but the link is going to be different so that I can track, okay, this particular post that we did, it worked really well on the Facebook page, but it didn't get any traction on Instagram. And this one did really well in the group and it did really well on Instagram, but for some reason it didn't do well on the page. So the way that I have those set up, I have a spreadsheet that lists out every single page or post on succulentsandsunshine.com. So anytime we create a new page, it goes on to this master spreadsheet. And then the great thing about spreadsheets is you can add formulas in that you just copy and paste, and it will create these links with the UTM parameters added. It'll create them for you. So for us, it's just a matter of copying and pasting the link, the appropriate link to whatever platform we're using. Then we took it a step further. Because I found that when I was responding to comments in our Facebook group, I wanted to be able to share the watering post, but I didn't want to have to copy and paste that post every single time, but I absolutely wanted the UTM parameters on there so that I could track to see if someone, you know, purchased. So what we did is there's a plugin for WordPress called Pretty Links. And every single one of our blog posts is assigned a campaign name. So the watering post is watering. Our soil post is main soil. A post about stretched out succulents, the campaign name is stretched. So every single post or page has a unique campaign name. So no two posts share the same campaign name. And then in Pretty Links, what we'll do is, so Pretty Links allows you to create a pretty version of a link that will redirect to a longer or different version. So for the watering post, I will have succulentsandsunshine.com slash how to water succulents slash the UTM parameters. And I'll put that into the Pretty Link plugin. And I say, I want this link to just be succulentsandsunshine.com slash FB dash watering. And I know that if I paste that link or if i type that link into my facebook group which is so much easier to write fb-watering is really quick if someone clicks on that link it will then redirect to the url with the utm parameters attached to it that was kind of a lot all in one but basically we're just using pretty links to have very easy to read easy to remember links for each of our posts so if you go to succulentsandsunshine.com/watering and you look at that URL, I'm like 95% sure that is our Instagram link for that post. So it'll show the medium as social, it'll show the source as Instagram, and it'll show the campaign as watering. And then that's all fine and dandy They like have all those links, but what do you actually do with it? So then in Google Analytics, I go and I look at my acquisition source. And I can see, okay, this month we got 250 clicks on a link from Instagram, or we got 500 clicks from a Facebook page or from the Facebook group. And I can see if our efforts on those platforms are working in terms of traffic. And I can also see if they have resulted in sales of our own products. So it's harder to track affiliate sales through that Like virtually impossible, but I can at least see if they're purchasing products on the website. And I can also see if they're opting in to our email list. So maybe people coming from Instagram aren't purchasing our products, but they are opting in to our email list. And there's value to having people on our email list. So I can still justify that, okay, yes, it does make sense for us to continue posting on Instagram. Um, Because at the end of the day, like if I'm hiring people to do a particular job, I want to make sure that at least close enough, they are recouping the money that I am paying them. So if I'm you know, paying someone $200 a month to do this thing on Instagram, then I'm hoping that I'm going to be making $200 a month from Instagram. And actually, we're doing the same thing with YouTube as well. So that's been cool. We've been able to see we're making ad revenue on YouTube, but we're also able to see how many people are coming over and opting into the email list and then purchasing
0: products or things that way. That's so cool. Okay. I love all of this. And the reason why I asked you about this is because with Facebook ads, we have... I mean, this question comes up a lot about how do we track you know, who is coming from an ad, who is taking action on our website from the ad, and something that we use with a lot of our clients, most of our clients these days actually, is the UTM parameters. And so I'll put a link in the show notes for the campaign URL builder from Google. It's just from Google Analytics so that you can kind of see how to build this URL, but you can also just manually do it. You don't need to use this builder. And one thing I would say
1: with that, because I know firsthand that, especially when I talk to people about they're like, Oh my gosh, that's so overwhelming. And it is if you don't have a good system for tracking what's what. And that's why I like the master spreadsheet. Like everything is in there. And even if I create, like if we were to run Facebook ads, I would have a section of our master spreadsheet that says, okay, if I have watering dash add one, this is the image or this is the text that's associated with it, you know, or both. And that way, even if Facebook forgets or loses something or doesn't track it properly, which can happen and does happen on Facebook's end. It also happens with Google Analytics. Like it's not perfect by any means, but at least you have a pretty good idea of what matches up where. So it's one thing to like create the UTM parameters, but you do also need a key of sorts so that you know what different things mean. Because with like, for us, with a couple hundred posts, we can easily forget, well, like, okay, what is FAQ growing zone or, you know, something like that. Like, what is this campaign? We don't remember what that is. And then we can go back and look at it on the
0: spreadsheet. I love it. And so that spreadsheet, is that what you're going to give us a screenshot of?
1: Yeah. So I can give you a screenshot of the spreadsheet. And then also I can even put together like a
0: quick tutorial of how we're using pretty links for that as well. Oh, you're awesome, Cassidy. Thank you. We'll have all of that in the show notes. So be sure to check that out because I feel like it's something that a lot of people can be better at is tracking and also, but like you said, having a good system so that you can find and look into the data and see the results and also just not get confused about what does that mean. So I think that's super important. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah. And one quick thing on that, I've tried to convince a lot of bloggers or online business owners to try doing this and was like, oh my gosh, that's so much work but it's really saving you so much time and so much effort. Yes, it maybe takes like an hour to get things set up if you have a lot of content, but if you just have a little bit of content, it won't even take that long. But that hour will enable you to make such better decisions in the future that will save you time, that will save you money. So even if you're just starting out and you're like, oh, I'm not big enough. I don't need to do that yet. No. Do it now because the sooner you implement it, the more information and the better information you'll have to make decisions
0: on in the future. I couldn't agree more. And that's why I love talking about this because as we are on our way to seven figures, I mean, this podcast is about flourishing to seven figures. I mean, we need to act like a seven-figure business owner now on our way to getting there because the seven-figure business owner, you know, they know exactly what is making them the most amount of money and is going to provide the best ROI. And they know what platforms that is, what posts that is. So that's why I think it's so important for us to get all of this set up now so that we can make those educated best decisions for our business. Definitely. Okay. So is there anything else that we should talk about? That we haven't touched on. I know we've talked about a whole bunch of things, but anything else that you would like to share today?
1: The only other thing that I would say, and we've kind of touched on it in a variety of different ways, is just, I think email is one of the most important things that people can be doing. And it's one that I know a lot of people, especially when they're starting out, kind of roll their eyes around or like, oh, I don't know what to do for email And I don't know that I have like this overwhelming, amazing advice about email other than just do something and be consistent because I have seen time and time and time again that, especially for my audience, but I think in general, email converts so much better for sales and just getting people to your website and getting them to engage with your content and just works so much better than any other platform. And I always kind of hate it when people are like, plus you own your email list, like it's yours. I don't like that idea of owning it, but it's like, this is your network of people and you can reach out to them at any time, even if Facebook is down or even if your website's down or you know, different social media platforms down. But absolutely, I'd highly, highly recommend having some sort of email list that you're emailing on a regular basis, even if you're not really using it for income-driving purposes right now. It's just a good way to constantly connect with your audience. And again, just be there to connect with them, help them recognize you in their inbox, and then it gives them an opportunity to email you back and you can have some conversations that way as well.
0: Oh, yes, absolutely. That's been a lot of fun for us too as we've been focused on growing the email list over these past couple of years. And I just see like the engagement And those responses back to the emails that I send, it's really great. I mean, that's one of the best ways that I'm learning about my audience is because of the questions that I ask in my autoresponder series. And so that's been helping to build the relationship with those new email subscribers. And I've seen as I've been nurturing my email list that that has led to more sales of my course and more interest in people reaching out to work with my agency. So it definitely can pay off in multiple ways. And you don't have to have a big list in order to see the benefits from it. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Well, thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing everything today, Cassidy. I just really love this deep dive into your business. I love how your mind works. You're always coming up with great ideas, but I also appreciate that it always comes back to listening to your audience and finding a better way to serve them. So even with the you know organic growth for the traffic conversation. I mean, it was all around like what's going to please Google, but also how can you provide the best resource for your readers? And then in building your YouTube channel and your Facebook group, I mean, with all the things, it all comes down to what is your audience asking for? What are they wanting? And then what sounds like a fun idea for you to actually implement and provide for them?
1: Yeah. And that last thing that you mentioned is actually a pretty big one for me. I... As you know, like I like to work when I want to work. One of the things I love about my business is I don't have to be working all the time. I can take time off if I want to. I can work really hard and put in a lot of hours if I want to, but I can also do things the way that is fun for me. And I absolutely am listening to my audience, but I'm also picking things that get me excited because if I'm not excited about it, my audience is going to know. I'm like well yeah i mean she did that and they may not be conscious of it but they do not react as well to things that i'm not excited about and like even going back to our facebook group when i first started i really wasn't excited about the facebook group and so i was like putting all these posts out no one was engaging which made me dislike the facebook group even more and it just kept not doing well but now that i'm super excited about it and you know doing it in a way that's fun for me it's also making it more fun And enjoyable for our audience, and they respond better too. So, take all the information in that you can, learn about a lot of things, but then at the end of the day, do what gets you excited and helps you continue building your business and moving forward and enjoying it because you should not be an entrepreneur and hating your life or hating what you're doing. And we all have moments doing things we don't want to do, but overall, you should definitely be enjoying your work.
0: Love it. Thank you so much. Such wise words. So please share where everybody can find you. They can stalk you on all the platforms. Can you share all of them, please?
1: Yes. So succulentsandsunshine.com is the best place to go. And then our Facebook group, the free group is called the Succulents and Sunshine Community. And if you happen to sell succulents, we also have a succulent selling help and advice Facebook group that's kind of fun too, where people can promote their work. We are Succulents and Sunshine on YouTube and on Instagram, on Pinterest. I think Succulents and Sunshine was too long. So I think we're Sucks and Sun on Pinterest.
0: Yes, yeah, that's S and Sun. Yes. <laughs> and we'll link to all of it in the show notes. Yeah. Awesome. Yay. Thank you so much, Cassidy. This was a lot of fun. I love this conversation, diving into your business. And thank you so much for sharing all of it. Thank you so much for having me. It's always fun to chat. I want to give a huge thank you once again to Cassidy for coming on the podcast and sharing her journey and wisdom with us. We covered so many topics and ideas in this episode, and I'd love to hear your biggest takeaways. Share those with us in the comments at monicalouiecom slash 44, or tag Cassidy and me on Instagram. I'm at Flourish with Monica, and she's at Succulents and Sunshine. You'll find all the links and resources we mentioned in this episode at com slash 44. Thank you so much for joining Cassidy and me today. If you're ready to scale your business with Facebook ads, then check out my free Facebook ad starter kit. You can find that at com slash guide. The starter kit takes you through these six steps to creating campaigns that convert. Plus there's an awesome checklist so you can make sure you've got everything you need before you jump into the ads manager And if you're like me, you love a good checklist. And if you're interested in learning more about how my team and I might be able to help you with your Facebook, Instagram, or Pinterest ads, go to monicalouis.com slash WWM. We have information there about our services. As I mentioned, I'll have all the links and resources that were mentioned today in the show notes, which you can find at monicalouis.com slash 44. And if you found this helpful, please leave a rating and review so that more people can find this podcast and subscribe so that you can be notified when the next episode comes out. Brand new episodes come out every single Thursday. And next week, I've got another super special guest on the show. So subscribe so you don't miss it. My guest is an e-commerce expert and event planner. So if you've ever thought of hosting your own live event, or if you're curious about what's involved, join us in the next episode of the Flourish to 7 Figures podcast. Plus, I'll share how you can be the first to know when I reveal the details about my first ever live event happening later this year. That's all for today. Take care and flourish.